Welcome, listeners, to DarkCon 2010 at the Grace Inn, Ahwatukee, Arizona. I'm here with Michael D'Ambrosio, author and screenwriter. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me, Don. Where are you from? I'm from just outside Philadelphia, uh, an area called Delaware County. Pretty much all my life I've lived there. I, I can hear a little bit of that in your voice there. You come from there. What do you do? I talk to a lot of authors these days, and most of them have a day job. What is your day job? Daytime, I work as a controls technician at a nuclear power plant in South Jersey. I've been doing that for about 15 years. Up until a couple of years ago, I was a weapons crew chief with an A-10 unit with the Pennsylvania Air National Guard. Wow. So I did that for 22 years and got a chance to spend a lot of time in the Middle East, you know, and kind of, kind of feel the creativity. <laughs> With all that stuff going on, how did you get into writing? Well, oddly enough, in 1999, I was in Kuwait, and they said they would send us over videotapes and books for us to read, and I complained about not having anything good to read or anything good to watch. And somebody said sarcastically, well, why don't you write your own story or write your own movie? And I thought about it, and I said, why not? And from that point on, I decided I, I came up with the idea for my Fractured Time trilogy. I started into it, and I wanted it to be different than uh, everything, anything else I've read. So it took a little creativity to come up with that. I just gradually build it, build it up to what it became, you know, a little awesome. bit at a time. So when you decided to do this writing and stuff, did you develop a particular process, or did you start with that process at the very beginning? How do you go about writing? I got the idea for characters, what I wanted to do with the characters. I wanted them to be unique. I wanted them, to, the females to be competitive, but I also wanted to show a female character with the soft side, the, uh, the more feminine side, you know, to kind of round everything out. So you put them together with three or four men in this kind of environment. They're in a, like a hostile, primitive environment where it starts off and you see how everybody gets along. Now, as the story progresses, I think of this as a movie. So I see this and I let it play out. And for each particular scene, I want to exploit an emotion. The first emotion is going to be fear. Is there going to be romance? Is there going to be cynicism where you have like, almost like the battle of the sexes as they try to compete? From there, you just play it through your head and you want to be able to feel it. And when you start to feel it, if this, that's when you know the scene is right. Uh, I see myself as like an extra person with these people. So almost like an extra, you know, a Like spare. a fly on the wall kind of thing? Yeah. Do you use any special tools that some people suggest we writers use, like outlining or character analysis? Do you really spend much time with those type of techniques? Not too much. If I come up with an idea for a scene, I'll write it down, and I usually log those down so that you know I can pull from them in the future. I won't really develop them at that time until I'm ready to use them. Okay, that's something I hadn't heard heard much before about creating a reservoir of extra stuff, material that you can bring in. Yeah. See, typically what happens, too, when you do that, if you develop them too early, your characters usually dictate that you change that, and ah. you wind up throwing half of that out, so <laughs> it kind of becomes wasted space, wasted time. Okay. So yeah. um, I find that just by having the idea, if it's a good idea that I want to use at some point, it'll fit in. When it's time comes, that's when I pull it into the story. So it's more the idea rather than you actually write out a scene with detail character movements and dialogue and stuff. It's more the idea. Correct. Just a general thing. Well, that's mm -hmm. cool. That's cool. What, yeah. what kind of influences do you find that you, you put into your writing, things, uh, whether it be other authors or, or movies, because you mentioned movies earlier. What kind of things come into your writing as you go along? I always think back to when I was growing up, the old horror movies. They were able to do things to you without, like, compared to today. You didn't get the gore back then. <laughs> there was, like, like the atmosphere, the mood. And I, to me, those those people back then were masters at doing that. Like Alfred Hitchcock, his oh, movies yeah. could scare you. And you never saw anybody really get, like, like Psycho. I mean, those kind of shows. And you think what they were able to do without all this, all the uh, the blood and gore. The special effects. Yeah. So I thought, well, if, if I could write like that, make the scenes where it's, 
if it's a romantic scene, let you feel the romance. I don't have to give you too much detail. If I paint the picture, you know, for you and let you live it, you know, it's just it's so much better for a reader. If I give you too much information, there it takes away from your creativity. But especially especially with female characters, it's a lot of fun because people have an idea in their head what that female's like. If I spell out every single detail about that female, well, it takes away from what the writer might want to perceive it as. Uh, also, it, it lets the reader impart part of themselves into the story. Absolutely. I love that type of thing. I, I, I remember when I was young reading many books, I'd, I always looked for authors that didn't spell out the details mm-hmm. because then you can feel yourself being in that character's shoes yeah. in different ways. That, that, was, that was great. You're working on two different series right now. Is that correct? That is correct. You've got the Fractured Time series mm-hmm. and you've got Night Creeps. Tell us a little bit about the Fractured Time series. Uh, the Fractured Time series, it starts off with people like you and me, what we know today. Uh, some things happen to them, and in the first book, they really don't completely understand what happened, but they wind up, uh, they don't know if it's another world, another time. So the, the, primarily the theme of the first book is, is they're establishing a niche in this new world. The lead character, uh, Billy Brock, he perceives as the events go along, it seems he's the target of a lot of the, uh, the attacks from a variety of creatures. And as he gets to the end of the first book, it starts to make more sense. For some reason, he is the target. He has a confrontation with the wizard, which now I start to bring fantasy into the picture. He outwits the wizard, and he's able to you know, set the wizard back a bit. The wizard leaves, you know, escapes the scene barely, and pretty much the way it's going, he's happy now. The wizard's out of the picture for a while, but he establishes a link mentally with the wizard, so he knows they're safe for a while, and that's pretty much how the first book winds down. Mm. But it opens the door to the second book, when there comes a time for them to try to undo what happened, this wizard is partially responsible for what happened. So if there's any chance of undoing things and going back to their, their home, he has to actually go after the wizard. So it gets, they get into some things from the future. They have a, an advanced human that's also down there trying to hunt for technology that was stolen by this wizard. So they kind of work, start working together on things. So there's a lot going on uh, as well. Yeah. Well, and the fun cool. part is, because they're people uh, like you and me, Based on what we know, first of all, you know the whole concept of a wizard and magic. It's like, come on, this can't really be happening. <laughs> and then you meet somebody else that's from another world, and it's like, well, we didn't know there were people in other worlds. So you start blending all these different elements in there. Um, they have to have one scene, the weird circumstances that put them there. They also find, encounter people from the uh, 17th century that were actually uh, part of the, the king's royal guard. So it, that adds for a little bit of variety there. So you get a little bit of the play on time with it, but, uh-huh. the, but the series predominantly isn't about time travel or, or, or splitting time or you know crossing over. Right. So it, it, it's more or less just necessities in the story to help them accomplish what they're doing. Now, you talk about traveling through time within the Fractured Time series. Is this like a, a device travel or is this uh, like a wormhole or is this thing, or is this something we want to let the readers find out as they get into the book? We can tell a little bit about it. Uh, it gets into the, a little bit of the science of wormholes and tractor beams, where oh, okay. wormholes, uh, the way they could exist and how you could use them. Uh, we find out in book three, the aliens, they have a way of using the wormhole that we wouldn't be able to use it the same way because it, you know, the effect it would have on us. And they actually ah. mention another alien race that tried to travel through that, that particular wow. type of wormhole. It, it wasn't very pretty what came out at the other <laughs> end. So... Uh, it kind of casts on the reality, if wormholes were true, what the basis would be for them, uh, what it would take to counter a wormhole if you needed to close it down if someone was trying to invade your area. It's the type of thing where, logically, how could it really work? And I, you know, obviously, since we've never done it, we don't know for sure, but it's pretty much my best guess based on what I would think of physics, how it could possibly work. Do I understand correctly that you've just remastered these books and reissued them 
with a new publisher, uh, AZ Publishing, right? That is correct. Okay. Now, what prompted you behind redoing the books and, and reissuing them? Well, when I started off, when I first wrote the books, that was before I got into the screenplays. And after I finished the trilogy, then I started playing around with the screenplays. Because of the size of the screenplays, you lose a lot of your material from the book. But since each chapter was almost like an adventure by itself, I wasn't locked into a sequence. After I wrote the script for the Fractured Time movie, I developed a 13-episode TV series, which included about four or five new episodes. And my first thought was, I wish I thought of these ideas when I first did the books. You know, I had unusual circumstances when I started. My first publisher, Pentland Press, they were bought out by someone else who didn't do fiction. So I was kind of left hanging dry without a publisher. So I switched over to a print-on-demand publisher for self-publishing, iUniverse, for the second and third books. And things worked out pretty well for me, except for the, the financial standpoint of it. Uh, you don't make a whole lot of money going that route. I did sell a lot of books, but for the, you know, it gets in more into the, the retail and the profit margins and what you pay for the books you purchase. I thought this was a golden opportunity to redo the books add the new scenes to it, and now I have a, a really good publish, publisher in uh, AZ Publishing Services. Let's talk for a minute about uh, Night Creeps, where the first series, Fracture Time, is science fiction, time travel, you got some aliens, you've got a lot of conflict, things they have to resolve. Night Creeps is actually mostly horror. That's true. It has a little element of science fiction in it, in that it starts off with uh, three renegade aliens that come to Earth, they land in the mountains of a Midwest town, and they start trying to wreak their havoc and build their army of mutants. Unfortunately for them, they encounter Earth women, and that's, that kind of leads to a lot of the fun you know, as to why I started with Night Creeps. Okay, now now tell me, are these the mother-in-law Earth women, or are these ex-wife Earth uh, women? This, the whole premise of this came about because of ex-wives and ex-husbands. Stories I heard from the road, stories from people well, I was just, I was just being facetious. Yeah. You're telling me it is the ex-wife. Oh, it really is. Oh, boy. Yes, and it all goes back to, uh, I tossed it around for a while, and then not so long ago at one of the conventions at the bar, uh, a man made the comment that when I married my wife, she was an angel, and somewhere along the line, she turned into a monster. <laughs> and that just, that was the missing glue. That's all I needed to, to, to go with this story. It's kind of a little bit of, with the sheriff and the deputy, it reminds you a little bit of Mayberry RFD. Yeah, they, okay, now hold on a minute. Now, you say it reminds you a little bit of Mayberry RFD, but you've categorized this book as a, as adult horror. Mm-hmm. How, 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 do you, how do you make that work? It's kind of like Mayberry, but it's an adult horror. Come on. Well, it gets into the, the women have issues. Uh, they're mutated. The, the, the aliens, they have two mo uh, methods of, of mutating you. One is through hormone that they inject into you. The other is through DNA, which they, they, okay. they insert into you. Lovely. So depending upon when you get the hormone, you degenerate. The DNA compound will stop you from degenerating, cause you to mutate more like them. The hmm. problem is if you get more DNA than you normally would, it advances your powers. You become not only more like the aliens, but you become more sophisticated, more powerful. The problem with that is when you do that to uh, scorned women, the <laughs> result's pretty ugly. Now, my whole perception, it was kind of funny. It started off that it was you know, more of a, of a comedy type thing I, I was thinking of. You know, then I really got into, I guess I was influenced by some of the women that I talked to that really had issues, and I was able to bring out how those issues internally, how it might really affect some women. And even though in the book they turn into, you know, they get to turn into monsters, and the uh -huh. one actually, she creates her own agenda to take out the aliens, and she'll take over the world at some point. Uh huh. You're also fairly graphic in different parts of the book. Did you ever feel like maybe you were too graphic or not enough? It was tough. I, I, I felt it was appropriate for the scenes to create that that effect, and they were the type of things you could see if it really happened. You could understand why it would happen, and it, it would be logical. It was new to me. 
because typically in my other series, I write them so that they're for young adult on up. So I minimize you know, a lot of the graphical things. I mean, I, okay. like I said, I like to show a lot where you can use your imagination. I bring you to the scene and let you imagine what happens. In this case, to have the effect, to, to really create the horror, I had to insert these scenes. Some of the things that the, the hybrid women, the hybrid mutants do, you know, they still have, they retain part of their humanness. Since now they have the power, then we're, the human, the, the human victims they have, since they're submissive to them now, they actually get to act out some of their frustrations or some of their desires. It doesn't really work out too well. And, you know, like I said, they exploit their frustrations and, and. So I, I can see where that could get pretty gruesome. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's interesting. Having written this series, has it changed your outlook with regard to other horror books and movies that are out today? I would say it was the outlook on the horror movies and books that influenced me to try to write this because I felt it was a little bit different. Someone pointed out to me that they thought it was a little bit like Species, but it was different enough because it had a whole different plot behind it. You know, the whole idea of a woman changing back and forth uh, right. from an alien into her human form, the direction it goes is a whole lot different. Horror movies, like I said, they a lot of them today are slashing gore. They try to wow you more with the shock, mm. and that kind of takes away, you know, from the effect of the story itself. You know, there's a couple of particular scenes in there that really you don't see them coming. You know, I won't, you know, ruin the secret. No spoilers, you know, the secret okay. out here now. Yeah, there are some that, that were real uh, surprises for the people that have had a chance to review it so far. Now, do you have any plans to write additional horror stories, either as part of this series or as another series? The way this this story ends. There is the possibility, if I needed to, I could go to a, a sequel to it. And that's going to be contingent on if I'm able to get you know, get a movie deal landed for the, uh, the screenplay for this. Awesome. You know, I've talked to people. They're interested. It would be a low, you know, they'd be able to do it as a low-budget movie. I've had um, one big-name producer compare. They say that someday this will be a cult classic like Night of the Living Dead. He's convinced somebody will do it at some point in time. You know, it's, although you feel better. once It's, it's not <laughs> a deal until you actually cash that check. It has a little bit of the outer limits or twilight zone in it too, uh, in the in the way that you've structured the book and the and the stories storyline and so forth. Yeah, it's almost uh, like you have two parallel things going on. You have the character arc of the sheriff as he goes from being kind of cowardly and he comes across as not very intelligent and you know, kind of laid back. That's where we get into a little bit of the uh, Mayberry thing. The deputy is a younger guy and he he thinks there's a little more to the sheriff. He respects him and he knows. There's probably something in his past life that made him that way. As the story progresses, the sheriff changes, and then you find out, you know, he had issues with God, and he mentions that he hadn't talked with him in a while, but it's time to change. He's <laughs> wondering if this is the devil, and the incubus is, is and the succubus is coming. You know, like, wow. like you know, he's thinking all kinds of crazy things. And then as the story goes on, he starts to become the, sh- the sharp cop that he once was. And he starts to put things together, even though everybody thinks he's losing his mind. Wow. So you, you've mentioned now a couple of times about screenplays. How did that end up coming about? Yeah, I always saw things as a movie. So once I finished the books, it was a lot easier to go back and think, now, how could I turn this into a movie, you know, right into a decent script? The hard part at first was because I didn't really think it through all the way when I wrote, like, for instance, with Fractured Time. So I wrote the story, and then I started thinking about it as a screenplay. With my newer series, with my Space Frontier series, and now with Night Creeps, as I wrote the stories, I was able to think in terms of actually seeing it become a script. That being the case, there's things you have to do. You have to minimize your characters, minimize your scenes. How do you write something that's going to have have a lower cost? The hardest thing you can do is if you write a complex script that's going to require a lot of CGI, your uh, computer-generated imaging, if you run the cost up, it's very hard to sell. Sci-fi is already a hard sell. 
which that's almost like you know you know batting with two strikes. And it's usually always a big budget movie unless it's you know a real stinker they put out. Horror is a little bit easier to do as a low budget movie. You know, so that's another thing too. It gave me a chance to see that I can actually see one of my scripts go to do the big screen. So what are your future plans for 2010 and beyond? I'd like to finish my Space Frontier series, third book in that uh, due out in May, and then I want to complete the fourth book. You know, I'm a little bit into that now. Uh, I have a screenplay out there for a Christmas story called The, the Christmas Solution. It's more of a Christmas adventure. So I'd like to, I think I'd like to novelize that. And I said there's the possibility of actually doing you know, a sequel to Night Creeps. But uh, I'm also looking at some things that have to do with um, almost like the conspiracy theorist type of uh, things. Um, a lot of things with the world. Uh, I follow a lot of with the economy, with world uh, events, world governments, uh, things like that. I actually thought like almost like uh, being able to see ahead in time, right? Like if, you, if all the conspiracies <laughs> blended together, what if things really happened? What could be the outcome? You know, especially now we see like the Tea Parties. People are getting angry with the government. Yeah, you know, what if a, a, a lot of different elements played out? You know, it could really add to a bizarre ending. Uh, not that I think it would, but it's always fun just to see what might, you know, the, the what ifs or what makes. That's right. Yeah, where could where could uh, for instance, you know, we hear about uh, globalization, like one one world government. What could that mean to people? I mean, is there a bad side to that? Perhaps if it ever comes to fruition, there it might give people something to think about that maybe we don't want to go down that road. You know, maybe <laughs> having that movie come out might influence the government if, in fact, you know, we're headed down that path. You know, just to make people think a little more. You know, I think that's probably one of the things that we as authors try to do. I, I know I do in in everything I write is. Is again just to get the, author, the the reader involved, to make them become part of the story as as they read. Thank you, Michael, for joining us today. We, yeah, thank uh, you for yeah, having it's me. It's been great. So you're going to be coming to another con soon. Uh, that's correct. I have a number of them. I'll be back in the Phoenix area in September for CopperCon. Um, my website uh, www.fracturedtime.com lists all my appearances. Everything's scheduled. So if you're in the area and I'm there, come on by and say hello. That uh, website, again, is www.fracturedtime.com. Check it out, folks. We'll be looking to see a lot more from Michael in, in the coming months and years. Thank you, and good night.